Welcome to De-Stress Your Business, the podcast where we show you how to get incredible results in your business without constant stress. I'm Alexis Kingsbury, a serial entrepreneur and founder at Air Manual, and I'm joined by my co-founder and co-host, Paddy Mann. Morning, Paddy. Good morning. Morning. So on a previous episode, we looked at how we can get over a thousand applicants for job openings at our businesses, including Air Manual. And that's despite not being a household name, not paying above average salaries, uh, not paying a fortune for recruiters or adverts. Instead, we focus on hiring for a specific role rather than trying to hire a generalist who's great at everything. We focus on what makes the company and role exciting to the right people. And we spend time creating an advert that really sells these benefits. Now, of course, getting a thousand or more applicants, although great, as covered in the previous episode, it does introduce a new challenge, which is how do you even start to manage this kind of quantity? So that's what we're going to cover today. So, Paddy, you know, we've had in some cases over 2,000 applicants for some roles. So um, what can go wrong? Uh, Let's start there (laughs) in terms of uh, what, what for businesses goes wrong when they end up with lots of applicants. Yeah, I, I remember the first time we got this kind of volume of uh, applicants and it was because we put so much focus into the start of that journey and getting the advert right and going to the right uh, the right places to advertise it. And suddenly we had this thing which really resonated and we we just got this huge influx of, of developers uh, applying for the job, which is on the first, you know, firstly, you know, awesome. This is brilliant. What we want is a, uh, a big a big volume at the top of the funnel so that we can find the right person at the bottom. This should be a good thing. But you also think, you know, this is kind of slow. It's like, ah, oh, ah, oh no. We're, <laughs> this this is going to screw me as a manager, screw us as a team. Mm. You just, you can see the big derail and it's coming at a time when you, you are already under pressure. You're hiring because you have more work than you have the capacity to deal with at this point in time or that you're getting to that point. And so, being derailed and having to uh, basically invest all of your time trying to manage that kind of volume of candidates. It, it's scary, it's stressful, uh, and the, the repercussions of that when it uh, you know slows down the projects you're working on and any deadlines, customer commitments, uh, internal, external, that is incredibly, incredibly stressful. Uh, and it can quickly lead to late nights and all the, all the rest of it. So Firstly, it's the it's a big derail is is the problem. Secondly, it's about how you then deal with that. And I can see kind of two things happening. And I can see firstly, the easiest way to deal with it is to just ignore a big chunk a chunk of the applicants. Um, and I say this is the obvious one. It's actually the one I've seen many other businesses do when they've got a large number. They basically go well. We got 300 applicants, so I, I took one big pile of CVs and moved them over and went through the first 50 and, and chose you know the five to 10 interviews that I'd take from there. That's the easiest, quickest way they have to deal with it. They haven't got a process in place that will work any, uh, any better for that. And while that can work, it essentially means you've, you've taken an asset in the volume of candidates you've got and removed it uh, and instead you got a much smaller pool and i i know from experience of having a much larger pool that it's not like there's one a player in every batch of 50 
it can be that there's only one or two A players to the to the uh, standards that you finally get to set yourself with a larger pool in that whole ba- you know batch of a thousand or two thousand that we're getting. Mm. So it's, it's really important for us that we do find a way to to work it through. And yeah. then finally, if we, if we do that, if we either remove people or if we're just slow about it, then it, it creates a bad experience for the candidates. Uh, if you take two weeks to get get the first response out, then they could be looking elsewhere. They're probably applying elsewhere. Mm-hmm. If they're one of the best candidates, they will feel uh, feel ignored. And if you're going to have a, a multi-step uh, approach to your recruitment, which we would highly recommend to filter down and get the best candidates, then that kind of you know delay and, and lag time will will kill the whole process. So there's these three big issues. There's this big derail for the team. There's a risk of not actually getting to use this big pile of applicants you've got. And then there's this big risk in it of creating a bad experience for the candidates and uh, affecting your reputation and your ability to hire the ones that are best for the job. Yes, no, and, and, and I've seen I've seen business owners uh, kind of deal with this a couple of ways that creates a bigger problem for them. So, so one is to decide, oh well, I don't want that many ap- applicants. And as we've we've come before, like um, deciding that, oh yeah, I'll go back to the old route of I get three applicant, you know, three CVs, and I review those, and I I hire the least worst of those is not a great way to build talent in your organisation. Um, so you do want you know large numbers of candidates in the top of the funnel so that you can do that. But the other mistake I've seen for business owners is because they don't prepare for having large numbers of candidates, they then end up either failing to communicate with those candidates, and that's not that's you know really poor for your employer brand, and actually can lead to a load of extra work because you end, in fact it takes up more time because they then contact you individually saying, hey, I haven't heard back, you know, I just want to check that you know my. Uh, the reply hasn't gone into spam or something like that. And so you end up having to manage all of that anyway. And of course you thought, oh yeah, I'm doing this great time-saving technique called, called ignore it. Um, but actually it, it doesn't work that way and it's uh, appalling for your brand and all that kind of stuff. You you may even get then reviews on Glassdoor and so on that say, oh yeah, no, I applied and they didn't even bother to contact me, you know, avoid. And that makes it harder for you to recruit in, pers- in, in uh, future. But then the other mistake I've seen is a business owner who um, decided, oh, well, I've got you know, a large number of candidates that I need to update. I will, because they haven't prepared in advance, they decided they'd send an email to them to kind of let them know, blanket, like, you know, I, um, I can't remember whether it was either the position is now filled or whether it was, sorry, there's going to be a delay. But what I do know is that rather than using BCC, they accidentally used CC. And so everyone, hundreds of candidates, all got each other's contact details. They all uh, were basically in, uh, invited, as it were, into uh, uh, really having a go at the uh, at the employer. And of course, replying to all, and it was an absolute shitstorm. Frankly, like it was horrible. Um, and of course, ent- entirely unintentional on the business owner. She was trying to do the right thing by communicating, um, but it absolutely uh, bit her. And, um, you know, the answer to that is you need a, a better a better approach to this, right? Like you need you need a, an approach that makes this easy to manage and doesn't require either lowering your ambitions or indeed um, knee jerk reactions that cause a cause a big problem. So 
Um, how do, uh, in, for example, take us through in our organisation, and particularly if you, um, uh, you're generally the hiring manager for software development roles, so it's uh, the area that you know most depth. Take us through how do how do we get it down from two thousand plus <laughs> to a more manageable level at the very outset? Cool. Yeah. So. What we're going to be doing in the entire recruitment process is is finding ways to filter it down, and we want to be we want to be really time efficient um, because, frankly, even if you've only got ten applicants, then you don't want to be spending a huge amount of of unnecessary time in an ineffective way. But when you get up to hundreds or thousands of applicants, which should be your your target, certainly getting to the kind of hundreds level, then you, you really need to find effective ways to, to filter it down. You want it to be make good use of your time. You also want to make it to really good use of your your candidate's time. So one of the, the things that we're going to need to do is go through multiple phases. And you don't want to ask candidates to invest uh, hours of their time up front when there are things that you could be filtering out with them only investing five minutes or one hour or, or, or so on. And that creates... Um, uh, a, a very efficient process for you, but it also it creates a better experience for them. I know that when we get to the end of our process, we have candidates who have gone through all the steps who rave about the experience despite not getting a job. And, and part of that is that we respect them at every stage of the, the, the journey. We make sure that we're keeping them engaged and communicating well, but we're also making sure that we uh, are using their time in a in a really considerate way, and so one of the things we're looking to do is is to be uh, time efficient for for both parties. The second thing is in doing that, we want to assess whether they're a good fit for the role, and essentially two things that we're going to be looking for. One is whether they have a values fit with our company, which means do they have the same types of behaviour? Do they value the same types of behaviour that we do? And um, and for us, that's things like focusing on impact and paying attention to detail and looking to enjoy the journey. And then secondly, do they have the right skills for or competencies for the specific role that we're, we're looking to hire into? And so there's going to be multiple phases, but the first one is, is, the, is the classic. And where when I look at other businesses, most of them... Uh, sorry, everyone. Uh, most people are get, getting this wrong because the first thing you do is you put up your job ad and you, you've, you've made it amazing. You get a big pull and you ask people to send in their CV or resume and maybe a covering letter. And that is unfortunately not a great way of starting to filter. The CV or resume is... Well, it's not specific to your company your values or the skills that you're looking for it does allow them to include a lot of stuff which is less relevant but impressive which can then lead to you favoring them for reasons that you shouldn't it includes a lot of information which isn't relevant at all and is frankly just distracting it takes a long time to uh to read and it's really difficult to do a fair side-by-side -side comparison to candidates you end up seeing things like oh man this guy worked for google that must be amazing I i've done this i've done that well you know one of our first jobs we had like 10 candidates and you saw the google and you're like oh that's the one that's going to be the keeper can't wait for him to start um and the reality was uh, that person was useless and if you've worked in any of these big companies then you know 
yes, there are some superstars, but there is a lot of um, mediocre. It would be a compliment. And it's the same for years of experience. Years of experience is not a great indicator of them being amazing at the job. It, it tells you something, but not as much as you will try to read into it when you see it on a, on a CV. And it, so the CV, it not only it takes a lot of time, but it also sends you in the wrong direction and making bad, um, uh, bad decisions. Um, so the, there's an alternative, uh, as you would imagine. And, and for us, that's simply, we ask three questions. Why? Because it's quick for them to answer quick for us to review. And we can use those three questions to focus on the things that are really important, uh, and that we can start filtering in on. And we, we see that just by asking three questions, we can just get rid of 50% of the candidates straight away because they, they don't put in any effort, you know, one word answers people that don't bother, uh, people that have terrible written English, which is going to be a no go in a remote company. We see 30, 40, 30 to 40% are pretty good. And then we see 10 to 20% are excellent. And with just a written answer, we can review it really quickly, we can go, okay, that that person is on it, they're demonstrating what we're looking for, and we're able to filter down in a really effective, uh, really effective way. Yeah, and I, I love this, uh, this approach, because it was an absolute game changer for us when we when we changed from sifting CVs to, to using this. Um, and it's funny because we do still ask candidates to attach their CV at the beginning. Um, in theory, it's because, um, you know, and so from the candidate's perspective, it's so that we can refer to it later down the, in the journey. And that and that does happen in practice. The real reason that we do that is because if we didn't let people attach their CV to the application form, they'd send it as an email separately, and we would then have to reconcile those back up to the applications, which would take longer. Um, whereas the uh, the reviewing of the three questions that we do without looking at the CVs that have been attached at all um, takes us like a really short period of time, right, Paddy? It's like uh, under 30 seconds, I think, for um, short uh, question uh, for the um, uh, for poor answers it's literally three to five seconds on average I think it's 15 to 20 yeah. uh, and we know this because we calculate how many applicants have we got therefore uh, and then we assign it to you know delegate it to people and we know how long they take to do it and, and average it out and so on so we know that it's a much faster way of doing it and we'll we'll delve into those those questions in a moment and why we chose them but I think that's a key thing for people to get over is the idea of, oh, yeah, I, I use CVs and that's the most effective way. You know, you, you mentioned um, earlier that there's loads of problems with using CVs, the time it takes to review them and the fact that it doesn't even necessarily give you the information that you need. One of the other things you mentioned was choosing people for the wrong reasons. And I think there's two sides to that one, uh, as you explained, you know, overemphasizing things like oh this person worked at google or this person's got 15 years of experience or this person you know uh, uh, has, has got this really cool hobby which aren't relevant but also on the negative side it can uh, it risks adding um, either conscious or unconscious negative bias where people might um, for example if we take a, a fun one people might look at someone's hobby and say, oh, you know, oh, the scrapbooking, they're into scrapbooking, oh, I bet, I bet they're weird and boring, and it's like, that's entirely their perception, not the reality at all, and 
a real mistake to to start putting those judgments on on what someone might be like based on a throwaway thing as as part of a CV. But also, of course, you get more uh, serious negative bias, uh, biases based on protected characteristics around uh, whether it's uh, gender, ethnicity, um, uh, economic background, uh, even educational background, all these sorts of things, which frankly don't matter. And we know it doesn't matter because, for example, um, I've hired into roles where we've not looked at the CV essentially until like end of the process. And I've hired people for roles who have come essentially straight out of university with maybe the odd bit of placement experience. And they have beat, you know, won and, and beat other applicants who have got 10 years of experience in the role that they're being hired into. And yet in terms of values fit and skills fit and the competences that we looked at, um, you know, they, they, we had this better candidate. And this candidate actually struggled and was struggling to get a job because they hadn't got experience, right? Which is ridiculous because uh, I'm sure, Paddy, you, you know who I'm talking about. That's amazing hire, like, like superb hire that's both delivering an excellent level in, our, in the role in which they were hired into, but then has expanded and is now adding strategic value and so on, like incredible. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, you've got to dump those CVs or, or at least as I say, Allow people to attach them, but don't make reviewing them the, the starting point. So hopefully we've now smashed CVs to bits and people are saying, OK, give me the alternative. So what are the three questions that we use? And let's use the example of a developer role specifically. Um, and how did we choose them? Cool. Good question. So we've got three three questions and for every role we have it's always three questions um but the questions do do change um i'll, I'll take you through each of them and, and then explain a bit about it so the first question is what's your proudest achievement it can be a personal project or something you've worked on professionally just a short paragraph is fine but i'd love to know why you uh you're proud of it and in the question, I've said that it's a short paragraph. The the form that we use, there isn't, you know, it's designed to be a short paragraph. We are expecting uh, one paragraph. Occasionally, we see a few paragraphs or a few bullets. Uh, if it's a one-word answer, then it will go into the no pile. Um, but we, this isn't meant to be, you know, a, you know, detailed a detailed story. So why are we asking this question? What's your proudest achievement? It could be a personal project or something you worked on professionally. And initially, it just sounds like, you know, any question that you could find from a website um, for a list of possible interview questions. And the answers will be interesting when you take that kind of approach. You will find interesting things about pe people. But we, we haven't just picked one at, at random as a way mm. to start the filtering based on generic ways of, of finding good candidates. This question and all the others are really focused on the things that are really important for our organization and I mentioned before you know we've got um, we've got core values and core values describe the behaviors that we look for in people that we hire uh, that we um, encourage and nurture as we do onboarding that we judge performance by we use them throughout we're, we're going to need a separate episode to go into how, basically how to set core values and why they're why they're so valuable but this is one place we are using them and in this case, we, we've got uh, a couple of core values. One is uh, fo focus on impact. And to us, that means that whatever you're doing um, within the company, within your team, 
you want to be focused on the end goal and the impact that's going to have for the company and uh, and the team and customers and, and everything else. And in engineering, in software developers, it's an all too common thing that people aren't, that people are focused on the technical merits of how beautiful their architecture is, but they forget about the actual impact this has for end users. And that makes it difficult for them to prioritize and it can lead to entire projects being derailed and taking 10 times longer than they should. It leads to all sorts of challenges. And so in this one uh, seemingly innocent question, we're starting to probe in there. We're starting to go, have you got something which you've you've taken end to end? And that goes to another core value uh, of ours, which has been proactive and dependable. And then were you focused on the value that that, that really generated? And that's what we're, we're looking for. We're looking for these signs that you are aligning with core values, which we think are really important. And while there will be, as I said before, 50% of the answers will be rubbish. There'll be one word answer, complete nonsense, whatever. 30 to 40% will be okay. There'll be good answers, but not necessarily what we're looking for in our candidates. And then there'll be 10 to 20%, which are excellent. Mm. And these are really well written and really well articulate. This is something that I did. This is how I showed that I was responsible. And, and this is the impact that it had for the for the business, for the wider outside goals. And those are the ones that you know really, really shine. Second question is, tell me about a technical book or article you read recently, why you liked it, and why I should read it. So again, this could be a generic question, but for us, it isn't. We did pick a, a technical book, and we could have said a, a nonfiction or, or wider one. Um, but we are, this is just for a software engineering role. So we're looking for people who are one showing interest in their own area of the business, but really we're looking at another of our values of our values, which is always looking to improve. So in our organization, we are looking for employees that without, without it being a constant nagging or coaching or something that they see as homework, that they are actually looking and investing that in their own self-development it's something that me and alexis do religiously we are constantly reading um uh, business books technical books whatever books we're we're investing in <clears throat> masterminds and courses and all sorts and the value that we bring to the business through that is immense and when we looked across other people in our organization we saw the same the, the ones that were investing in this way we're bringing huge, huge value to the conversations, to business decisions, to the way they worked. And as a result, it became one of our values and it's now something that we recruit for. We want to look for people who are actively doing it, not because it's something they have to, but because it's something they want to and they will enjoy. And in doing so, we, we find candidates that just fit in so much better into our organization and ultimately can, can thrive. So that's question two. Question three, and this is the third one. Uh, third and final one. So tell me about an air manual feature you really like and why. Uh, and so air manuals are a product. It's uh, something that they can look at and research online. They can go in and we can set them up so they can have a play. Um, and so there's an obvious uh, one, which is just to demonstrate that they, they're invested in this, this, uh, this application because it's very common that people they spray and pray. They look at 10 yeah. different companies and put in applications without really understanding what you do. So this is, uh, as a general thing, it, it does tell us that they've paid attention and understand mm -hmm. what we're about, which is important. But again, it, it also helps us to assess on one of our values. And this one, as well as focusing on impact, because we want to want them to think about which ones actually make a real, which features make a real difference. Yeah. There's another one, which is attention to detail. 
And so we're looking for people that really kind of get to grips with an area and don't just kind of superficially say, this is what I read on the homepage. If they've basically mm. regurgitated the content, which frankly, I might have written myself, I'm going to spot that. Whereas if they've gone in, thought about it and been able to present back their their thinking on why it's important, then that's that's amazing. So three simple questions, but they're not random questions. All of these are really good indicators of whether people are aligned in some way with our core values and therefore likely to uh, be successful when we go through the rest of the process and start interviewing uh, interviewing them down. Yeah, no, that, uh, that's awesome. And I, it, it's it's funny because, of course, it, like the, these are questions that in many cases we've developed together, iterated on, used in different roles and iterated again and so on. It's so it's so funny, like sitting back and hear you go through it because I just I'm just going, oh, that's so smart. Like, that's awesome. Like the way in which we've like that particular question is structured and so on. But that's come through iteration. It's not because we're just geniuses that immediately like, you know, vomited out three questions and they were perfect. Like we've iterated. But also in terms of, you know, the underlying, how did we end up with those questions? You know, as you, as you say, it's looking at, okay, what are the core values that we need to assess throughout our recruitment process? What are the skills that we're looking for for this role? Fine, that's your starting point. But then what you emphasized there beautifully was for this particular role, what are some of the most common hurdles that they fall at? And I seem to remember that actually we didn't used to have focus on impact as early in the process for developer roles. I think we had that more for salespeople because we thought, oh, well, you know, they need to be enthusiastic and so on. So we'll put that early. And so we'd have it later. But the problem was you'd end up with a lot of candidates that you're managing through the entire process and then suddenly having a load that fall at that hurdle. And of course, that's really time inefficient for you and for them. And so what we did was say, well, actually, what could we have put in early earlier on to really identify this core value that a lot of developers really struggle with, which is focus on the impacts they get too into the detail, too into the, oh, this is cool or technically difficult or whatever, and not enough about the why. And so all three questions that you've taken us through have all got a why in there. So it's, you know, proudest achievement, why you're proud of it. Technical book or article you liked, why I should read it. And any manual feature you really liked and why. And it's the why that is the core of focus on impact, our number one core value that has been embedded all through that. And then some of the other core values and so on that we, we've included in that. And, uh, and so I, I really like that as an approach. And so for people listening, it's, you're going to require some iteration, but it isn't that hard. Like when you actually think about what are your core values, and as Paddy says, we'll cover in a subsequent episode how to come up with those if you've not got them, but list out your core values, identify for this role, what are the ones that they're likely to struggle with the most, um, uh, and uh, and come up with some questions that will allow you to very quickly sift and identify whether that's uh, whether, whether that's right. So, Paddy, quickly take us through. You know, um, we've got those. We're getting those answers to those questions. How does this get managed? Because people might still think, oh well, now I've got three full-on essays to read. Um, isn't that going to take me even you know longer than sifting some CVs? So, how how does this um, get managed? And also, how do we avoid this being a massive pain where you've got like 2000 uh, answers <laughs> that you need to get through uh, and you've got a load of people waiting for responses. Cool. So one of the words that you, you've used a few times so far is iterate or it, being iterative. Mm. Uh, and so 
what we don't want to do is treat this like a scientific experiment where we try and set up everything perfectly first time. We wait for all of the applicants. We hit number 2000 and then we let everyone mm. go at the same time with the way we've set it up at that moment in time. That is going to lead to a, a bad experience for the first people to apply because they're going to be waiting for ages until anything happens. It's going to give you no chance to iterate. It means that you're going to be swamped when you actually do decide to go in and start doing it. Um, and yeah, it goes against what we're trying to do here. Instead, so what we, we're, we're doing is as soon as we start getting applications in, we start reviewing them um, uh, immediately. We want people, if they get a, uh, a response with either a yes or a no, yes, you go to the next stage or, or not, not this time, and they get it quickly we're, within... Uh, sometimes it's within hours they will have their mind blown. If it's within days, it will be better than expected and they will hold you in, in good regard for it. If it takes weeks, then this is going to hurt your whole whole process. So we get going immediately. These reviews, we've said it a, a few times, it's all about being a time efficient. So for a poor quality answer, honestly, you will learn to spot it in seconds uh, and be able to move on to the, the next one. So we want the, the poor ones to take a, a less than five seconds. Um, the good ones will need a bit more time. Uh, I often say 30 seconds, but I think Alex has, Alexis has timed it and it's more like 15 to 20 seconds on average. Um, and that's not just us being quick. That's when other members of the team yeah. are, are doing it too, based on you know, the level of detail they've got and what you're looking for, which you start to see quite quickly. Um, it becomes a really quick uh, exercise. Now, one thing that we're, we're going to be doing is uh, iterating. So early on, if you're setting this up for the first time, I'd recommend you, the hiring manager, you review the first people. You work out how you are scoring them, uh, scoring them, and write it down. Um, so you'll say the good ones have, are well written, and uh, they demonstrate this and this and this, and this is a, a bonus mark. And you get that scoring clear, and then go, can I follow this consistently? And where you need to, you make tweaks. Um, so early on, you're doing it, and, and this is giving you confidence that the, the process is, is working. Mm. And when you're happy uh, with a candidate, you send them an email which says, great, you're going to the next stage, Ex explains what that is. When you're less happy, you send them an email which says, I'm afraid not uh, this time. You're not going to give a specific reason why, because that would be bonkers if you've got thousands of applicants. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't give a reason. You can pick up on what the normal reasons are for... Uh, for for let, not letting them through, and you can share that, and they will value that to sh share. Uh, typically, um, the best answers were really well written, demonstrated clear alignment with our core values, and uh, so I'm afraid if you haven't got to this far, uh, it's not necessarily that you've done a bad job, but we weren't you weren't in the top ten to twenty percent based on this this scoring. That bit of information would be really really valuable. And once you're happy with this this process, so you're able to go through it. You're in the scoring's working. It's easy for me to send these emails, ideally a button click if you're doing it at scale, but there are various ways you can you can work it out to make it quick. Then you can start delegating uh, delegating this, and we first delegate it within our team. Um, and actually this, this part of the process, because it's so clearly defined in terms of how to review and what the rules are for saying yes or no, it's a really easy one to outsource. So this is actually the one part of the process where we mm. tend to use a virtual assistant uh, as a really cost-effective way to to help get through uh, the uh, big pile of applicants that we can normally expect. Yeah, love that. And it's a, it's a process that I, <laughs> I hugely value in our business. It's, it's made such a big difference. 
uh, and uh, yeah, there's and it, what's lovely as well is is both for us as a team and what it does for the business, but also for the candidates. You know, we get amazing feedback from candidates who say, "Wow, like I've applied to so many other roles and they they just never get back, never get back to me." Like and 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 yet um, people get really good experience, and so often we'll get positive reviews online, people promoting us even though they got rejected because you you know you're able to to deal with it in this really nice way and I think that's really effective. Um that's not to say that all of the responses that we get are positive. I've got a few funny ones which perhaps uh, uh if someone uh, reaches out and asks me I'll I'll share some of the examples where um let's just say that um your decision gets validated when they <laughs> respond in an angry way after a, a somewhat reasonable <laughs> rejection. Um but we can uh, we can cover those another time perhaps. But that's awesome. So um, thanks for taking us through that, Paddy. Uh, you know, we've we've covered a lot. We've covered essentially why you shouldn't use CVs uh, to uh, to filter candidates. We've talked about what can go wrong and how it takes a long time to do it if you if you're processing the number of candidates that you really should be. Um, but also uh, how it doesn't even help you make a, a great decision. And we've covered how to do a better job of that uh, by using three questions um, that are not just grabbed off the internet, but are tailored based on the uh, values in your organization and the competence, competences that you're looking for. And when you have that and you uh, apply a bit more process and systems to it, you can make this incredibly fast so that you can literally be processing uh, each of those candidates in seconds, not minutes or hours, which is what most uh, most businesses tend to do. So we've covered a lot of that on subsequent episodes. We'll we'll, uh, explore then what do we do after that? You know, once we've done that first sift, how do we take them through the rest of the recruitment process to hire, uh, hire an A player? But uh, for this episode, uh, we'll leave it there. However, as regular listeners will know, we also run a weekly webinar on how to free up 15 hours per week and remove the constant stress of running a business without slowing down growth. So if you're interested in freeing up time and all sorts of things that we've talked about in the recruitment process here, you're going to absolutely love that webinar. Um, It's typically on uh, every Wednesday at 1pm UK time. I think the next one's uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, But you can find out more and register at www.airmanual.co forward slash webinar. Now, a final note for our uh, podcast listeners, as a new podcast, we do need your help. If you found the content today valuable, please take just one minute to leave an uh, an honest review. Uh, This will help us get the podcast more visibility and help more people. And if you're uh, consuming this on social media right now, please do uh, share it with other people, repost it, like it, subscribe and so on. Uh, We'd really, really appreciate it. Otherwise, until next time, have fun.